Hey guys, welcome to the Youth Fitness Podcast. Topics on youth fitness with a focus on doing what's best for kids. Brought to you by the Martin Family, the developers of the Brand X Method, and the Athlete Coach Network. Youth need great coaches now more than ever. Brand X has dedicated themselves to doing what is best for kids for over two decades and now offers mentoring, education, programming, and resources in one smart package to empower coaches to efficiently deliver world-class youth programs. Check out their plug and play options and join the Brand X family today. You plus Brand X equals youth program success. We're here for another Youth Fitness Podcast, and we have the good fortune of having Christopher Tyne from CrossFit 162 West with us today and Brand X Stockholm. He's also one of only four Brand X labs in the world, but I'm going to let him introduce himself and give you his more detailed history on who he is, what he does, and how he got involved in coaching, coaching youth specifically. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me on. Pleasure and honor. My name is Christopher, and I, uh, like you said, Mickey, I run CrossFit 162 West here in uh, Stockholm, Sweden. And also, when our kids' program goes under the brand Brandex Stockholm. And we are, like you said, uh, a lab nowadays, which is fantastic. We get to be very much involved in, uh, in the development of, of, uh, of the program that you, you guys have created. Uh, and of course, that's a huge honor. So yeah, a little bit about, about myself. You could probably hear there's a bit of a, a British twang to my dialect, uh, but I live in Sweden. I was actually born and, and raised in, uh, in England. I got a British father and a Swedish mother. I moved to Sweden when I was about nine years old. And why I want to tell you a little bit about that is because that's kind of I want to tell you a little bit about my background as a kid and my background in sport, but mainly physical activity. And I grew up in an area on the uh, west coast of of Britain, uh, just on the border of Wales, called uh, a small, small, small village, which is in in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the Forest of Dean. And I went to school in Hereford. Uh, And this is all in Herefordshire. And I went to a school, an all-boys school. It was half boarding school and, and also a day school. And the reason why it was mixed is because it, Hereford is a military town. So most of my classmates, they were, they were children to, uh, to military within the, within the British SAS. That's where they have their headquarters. And uh, this is kind of... Uh, my parents ran a hotel. Uh, they were in the hospitality industry within the Forest of Dean. And, and it's... A, Huge area area of England where they do a lot of adventure activities. There's a lot of uh, white water rafting, uh, fishing, and very sort of outdoorish, and that's kind of what I fell in love with at a very early age. Is a, a lot of physical activity outdoors. So I was pretty much doing everything as a kid. Uh, I was extremely active, not necessarily within sports. Well, I did a lot of sports. I was very sort of average in sports but i loved all the adventure stuff rock climbing hiking canoeing all that sort of stuff and still do yeah i i just love to play i did it all the time 
I love to hear that because that's what we hear now is the best setup for an athlete, as you know, right? Yeah. Uh, for sampling the play, all of it. So that's, that's lovely to hear you had that opportunity and grew up with that. Of course. Yeah. I was sport rotter when it comes to the opportunity of being to play in around the atmosphere where I grew up. And the, uh, and also, I really enjoyed school. We were very lucky because the school that I went to in Hereford, the junior cathedral school, was a, like I said, a semi-boarding school. And we, we had, unlike in Sweden, we had sports on the curriculum in school. So we did seasonal rugby, seasonal cricket, seasonal soccer, swimming, and then, of course, physical education. And apart from that, we... Our principal headmaster, as we call him in England, he had a farm just outside of Hereford. And once a month, we would go to his farm and there we could just do activities like uh, archery, shooting, horse riding, fishing, obstacle courses and stuff like that. And it was brilliant. And I have really fond menu, uh, memories of, of uh, those years. And I refer quite a lot to that when I when I coach kids today you know the the good foundation that I have had as a when it comes to f- uh, physical education really and, f- and physical literacy can I ask what, what beyond sport what what was physical education like for your oh yeah so when I went to at uh, this school there was such a huge choice of, of doing it was it was a lot of gymnastics physical education since we had everything else was on the on the curriculum so soccer was, everyone had to play soccer. Everyone had to do uh, swimming. Uh, so it was a lot of more of body weight gymnastics that we did during PE. And then we got to choose other sports as well. I mean, I did judo in school. Oh, that's and, great. Uh, so, yeah. I just think that sometimes now when we talk about physical education, that uh, parents don't maybe under, understand what physical education was and could be like when I was, I talked to parents all the time. I say, well, I learned to, to vault and handstand walk and, and yeah. tumble like that. And, and climb ropes. Yeah. Climb ropes and things like that in, in, in physical education. And they're like, well, <laughs> that's crazy. So, um, yeah. Interesting to hear that. That's I, I very much think that physical education is teaching, teaching people to be physical. So it's, uh, you know, and gymnastics. Exactly. Crazy. Yeah, and, and opening up doors, uh, you know, give, you know, give, giving you the foundation to, to be able to explore and express right. all that later on, right? New yeah. new activities. There's parallels there. I, I just wanted to. Yeah, hear what and you in, had to say. in the U.S. now, I think people often, because it's been this way so long now, they interpret PE to be running around the track. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's just gotten reduced so so much. So, so thank you for giving us a better alliteration of what you were doing. So, so yeah, so with that, really, I just wanted to sort of uh, explain that I was very, very lucky as, as a child when it came to uh, physical activities. Uh, I had a huge buffet of possibilities just outside the door. And I think that's kind of formed uh, my, my, uh, my interest in not just the sports, but actually becoming a coach nowadays, later in life. Anyway, we moved to Sweden in the, when I was about nine and uh, moved to, to, the, to the town where my mother grew up, a small town on the west coast of Sweden. And uh, this is where I kind of 
got involved a little bit more in sports, but out of, outside of school. Uh, there's a huge difference between uh, and, uh, Britain and Sweden. And in Sweden, the, uh, sports are done outside of school, different kind of culture. So I started doing hockey, playing hockey. I played soccer and badminton. And then I did a lot of water sports. So I got at a very, very early age, I got into uh, windsurfing. And back then, this is like the early 80s, mid 80s. And there was really no equipment made for kids when it came to windsurfing. Windsurfing was pretty new, but it wasn't, there was nothing, there were no kids doing it. So I was using like a, a competition board and one of these sort of uh, storm bales that we used for, you know, for very high winds. And sometimes I would fly around like a glove, but I, but I managed actually to, to get pretty good at it after a while. So I love doing water sports. And moving forward a little bit, you know, I kept on doing sports uh, and so on, but then I got very much involved into, into skiing. I like to try all, all kinds of different things. And then moving forward as an adult, you know, going back to college, going to college and, and getting educated, I, I decided to get into the hospitality industry because that's where my parents were working and moved up to Stockholm the end of the 90s and uh, started working with the industry. Had kids at the age of 30, you know, small kids, kind of lost track of sports, wasn't, didn't, wasn't very physically active anymore. But when I got a little bit older, towards my 40s, I discovered, uh, decided that I wanted to get in shape again and I discovered CrossFit. And at the same time as I discovered CrossFit, I, CrossFit, I got into shape. My kids, I have two daughters. I have a, a, a soon-to-be 21-year-old and a soon-to-be 18-year-old. They were very much involved in gymnastics. Uh, my older daughter was competing in a track and field and uh, what we call tumbling gymnastics or team gymnastics. And my younger daughter, she was recruited into a artistic gymnastics team for a sort of pre-elite academy. And we as parents, we had no idea what that was all about. We had no idea. We had, knew nothing about competitive gymnastics. But, we, but what we saw pretty early was that they kind of ended up in, my, especially my younger daughter, the atmosphere we didn't really find to be very sound. Uh, we, we didn't find it to be a very, uh, very much of a safe place for kids. It was extremely strict. It was very good coaching. But there was really no, what we usually talk about, any sort of consideration to the psychosocial model part of coaching, really. And we actually decided a few years later that this is probably not the best atmosphere to be in for her. And that's kind of when I got involved in coaching. Uh, I was doing CrossFit. And I did my level one. And the only reason why I did my level was because I, I was extremely curious about kids training. And I had at the same time discovered you guys when you guys were involved with CrossFit. I saw their little sign up on the, on the, on the main page, CrossFit Kids. And that's when I got introduced to you guys, really. And that's when I kind of became even more interested in, in coaching kids. So, yeah, and that's kind of where my coaching career started. It was basically well-being of my kids really and that's just yeah. exactly what i was going to say just i love that it was came out of the care 
for your own children and really looking at it and saying, well, there may be something better or more to what they need. Yeah. It was all by accident. When we have a saying in Swedish where you call, you know, you slip on the, on the banana peel by accident and you sort of end up where you end up. Yeah, I've slipped on so many banana peels. I've kind of taken to, to where we are right now. So your oldest, I know, had at one point gone on to be a coach and worked, yes. worked in Spain. And then your youngest now is a ballerina, a high level. She is. Yes, she is. Yeah, Clara, my oldest daughter, she she's been she's been very much involved in functional fitness and has competed as a teen and and, and last year for as a U youth twenty competition and qualified for world championships. And she's been coaching. She started coaching at a very early age. She started coaching gymnastics already as a thirteen year old. Uh, did the basic assistant courses uh, within the, the Swedish Gymnastic Federation. And then she started coaching at my gym, CrossFit 162 West, already when she was 16. And she started even coaching adults at a six, as a 16-year-old. So, yeah, she, she's uh, done the PYCC course, of course. She did that very early. And, and she went off to last summer after she – she took a year off, then she went to the States <laughs> to go to high school for a year. She started – doing a, in, in, up in Wisconsin started doing uh, wanted to try sports that she had never done before so she actually got on on the bar, the high school basketball team she had never played basketball earlier <laughs> apart from you know <laughs> apart from you know and doing physical education she did track and field and she she was going to do the pole vault during the spring but then covid happened and she actually had to be sent home unfortunately mm. but yeah and then she came back again and started competing again. And then she got a job to go as a kids coach in Spain and went there for the summer season. Yeah. Pretty amazing. So, yeah. Very accomplished. And my, very accomplished. And my youngest daughter, uh, Mehta, she, she stopped doing gymnastics when she was about 9, 10. She was training in our gym now and again. We did a bit of figure skating, uh, got back into gymnastics for, for a short while. I uh, didn't. Uh, I was doing gym. Was doing sort of hobby ballet on the side. She always. She really didn't enjoy the. She, she liked competing in gymnastics and she did very well. But she preferred more the expeditions, the the the, the shows and stuff that they did for the club for the parents, standing on stage. So she got into ballet for a while, uh, just on a hobby level, and then she wanted to do a bit more ballet. You know, train a little bit more during the week. And she applied for a, a, a ballet school down in downtown Stockholm where she was going to train three, four, four days a week. She auditioned. She didn't think it went very well. She was sick. She got home. She was unhappy. And suddenly, the day after, we got a call from the ballet school and they asked her, you know what, we think she should. She's a couple of years late. Uh, late. She started so late. She was, she was a, a couple of years late after of her age group. But they wanted to start at the academy full time, instead, and uh, she did not expect that. She had she had no ambition of becoming a professional ballerina at all. But she uh, so she actually said uh, she declined the, the invitation, and I just want to do you know the regular ballet classes. And then she thought about it for a few months, and then she suddenly, hmm, did I miss an opportunity here? So she asked if there was any possibility, you know, if there's any chance that I can get into the academy. 
and they okay you need to audition again and uh, yeah she got in uh, so she started dancing seriously ballet at the age of 13 and usually if you could become professional you're at least nine you know it's pretty much unheard of being that old when you're becoming a professional ballet dancer but she managed to get in and she now she she dances full-time at the royal swedish ballet school uh, she didn't get in the first year so she took a gap year went to germany for a year to dance a year there and uh, she managed to get in here this year and uh, yeah now she actually this friday she was uh, did her first intern uh, performance at the swedish uh, royal opera house for a show that my mom which has been going on for a few weeks so yeah she she, she wants to become a treasure ballet dancer yeah. well that's fantastic <laughs> yeah and, and i i have a suspicion that this is just the beginning of both of their journeys yeah, <laughs> yeah we haven't pushed them towards the sports that they've chosen we we've we've always encouraged them but they they've they've been very uh, they've been very driven on their own and discovered on their own how to you know we've just kind of, i think we've just sort of managed to give them a platform where they can develop make their own choices choices that's that's the magic that's it that's yeah give them what they need to succeed and, and but that is so much broader i think than most imagine so yeah. can we talk about your classes and I, and now that you're a coach and, and you're coaching at 162 West and when you started with kids, how did that develop and where are you now with that and, and what yeah. seems to work? So we opened up CrossFit 162 West back in 2016. Prior to that, I was co-owner and ran another gym, CrossFit gym. Uh, where we had a, where we didn't really have a kids program, but when we started up CrossFit One Six Two West, we've decided, uh, myself and my my colleague Pear, that we wanted a kids program to be a part of our core business. Uh, we didn't want it to be a sort of on the side thing for pair, for, you know, for existing members. But we were pretty sure that was good, that we wanted to be a, a core business within our within our uh, the gym. And we were very much influenced by uh, uh, one of the local gyms here that not too far from us, who actually was, was becoming a brand X gym, uh, training center soon, hopefully. Um, and they, they were doing very well with their kids program. So we started off with, uh, I think, eight kids. I was coaching all the classes. And uh, within two years of that, we got up to about 150 kids plus teams. And now we're at about 200 kids doing functional fitness and about on and off about 100 to 150 kids doing sort of some kind of strength and conditioning, sports training. So we're around, we're always between 250 and 350 kids that are active in the gym. And we grew very, very quickly, um, which also meant that our organization had to grow very quickly too. We had to recruit a lot of coaches, and uh, we were very lucky we managed to get hold of good people that helped us get on the way. But we really didn't uh, start implementing the method, the Brand X method, until about 2019, 2020, actually. We stole a lot of your stuff online and were very influenced by what you were doing and our coaches were. But we didn't really, I think it was right when the, the pandemic started, when we started educating, we put all our coaches through the PYTC. And I think about a year after that, we became a training center. 2000, I think it was 2000, the end of 2020, if I remember correctly. 
Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. So basically, what's happened during these years is that we've we had a successful, extremely successful kids program. It was running very well, but what we noticed was that the more the kids program grew, the more difficult it was to have control over the whole business. We we were we had systems in place in other areas of our business but we hadn't really come that far within our kids program, our youth program. It wasn't really until we became a, a brand X a training center that we actually started getting those uh, procedures in, in place, really. That's one of the things we see with, and then now you're a, a mentor for us, that's one of the things we see when we talk to people about their youth programs, right, is that they, they kind of treat them wholly differently than they do their adult programs, yeah, approach them like a core business, and they don't systematize it, and they don't have ways to and, and systemize. Being systematized and having um, structure uh, in the business side helps keep control of the business. Helps keep control, and it's interesting to 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 kind of, to kind of see that. Like you know, it's a, it's almost a cultural thing within a small business, or small gyms. It seems like like yeah, oh yeah, I want to just add the kids on. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, value yeah. add for the members, but not a value add for the actual for the business gym. of the gym. For the gym, <laughs> and, uh, exactly. To be both. Yeah, it can be. Yeah, I mean, we 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 were doing we were doing extremely well, but I think one of the mistakes that we made was that we the gym as a whole grew grew really really quickly, and uh, we we kind of, so I kind of let go of the of the youth program maybe a little bit too early i mean we were very lucky we had i we have we had really good coaches that were working for us uh, youth coaches but i kind of what we said delegated it a little bit too early too much of the strategic work the business still grew but after a while i it kind of if we were gonna it grew so large that we i needed to kind of get back into the bit into the kids program again so we can, you know, put everything in place, all the procedures in place, and of course there was a little shift in the in in, in our organization when it comes to coaches during that time too. So yeah, I don't know, Jeff. You and I, we, we when we sit in on our mentor calls, we we always, you know, bring up the stuff that all the mistakes that we've made, and make sure that our mentees can make the same mistakes. That's how we learn, right? We all learn that yeah. way. But yeah, we've made most of them, and the ones we didn't make, we've heard from somebody else. So yeah. <laughs> There's a list. Yeah. A lot of people to avoid those things. Exactly. So I would say that was probably one of the, uh, the first major steps that we made was educating our, to secure the business, the youth program was to educate our coaches. And uh, I think the next step was basically getting all the procedures in place. And of course, you know, uh, courses really has no value until you actually implement, you know, the contents of that course, right? And uh, so, so that's kind of when uh, things started to grow again. Or, or let's say this, we, we were growing, but our retention became much better. I think the third step that, we, that, that really secured our business, it was becoming way much better at communicating, and especially with parents. And I think we, we kind of, we, came, we we got into a period for a while where we considered that we were 
our coaching was becoming much, much better. We we were getting much, much better results. But that really didn't matter because we weren't really communicating enough with the parents. And they really, the kids were having fun. Uh, the kids were enjoying the program, but the parents had really had no idea of what we were doing, really. Yeah. That is, even, we find that that's one of the keys for retention with, oh my with, with youth. Oh, yeah. Is understanding that you know, the parents have to understand what's going on in the program, have to understand why you're doing what you're doing and, and yeah. how it's fit their child in the long run versus just I drop a kid off to go have some fun. It's, it's yeah. a literal, literal buy-in, right? They're paying the bill. So they'll choose to continue to pay it or not, according to a lot of factors. But certainly if they have no idea what you're doing or that it has any long-term result other than my kid likes it, it may be the next thing on the chopping block of all the different things. Yeah. They so it's so important. Yeah. I, know, I know. Let's talk about some of the things you did. Yeah. I know you talked about the, 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 we've talked about a lot about the Facebook group that you started with the parents. And so you can communicate and, and, and talk to them about what they're doing. And also the, where you invite them to talk. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, it, it, it's, I, I, I mean, parents, they, it's, it's difficult sometimes because if you look at sports, I mean, if you look at soccer, for example, which is, you know, soccer and hockey are the largest sports here in Sweden and handball, of course, is that it doesn't really matter. I mean, parents know what soccer is. Even if they've never played soccer, they know what soccer is, right? You know, they basically know the rules. You don't, you know, don't pick up the balls with your hands, score a goal, you win or you lose. But, you know, strength and conditioning training, they, they have really have no idea. And even if they're active themselves, they really don't know what we're doing if we're not communicating, teaching them what we're doing. Even, you know, even, even parents that maybe are members of the gym and, and probably, you know, in, in, it could be in very good shape themselves. They have no idea really what we're doing. And a wake-up call for us was a little bit was when we would – we would get email from a couple of parents who would ask us why we were doing box squats. Didn't you guys do that last year? <laughs> <laughs> why aren't they moving forward, right? And, and, that, and that kind of became a little bit one of many wake-up calls for us when it came to communication. Wow. So, yeah, that's, that's a good one. I think I had a discussion recently with a, with a, a potential gym that's coming on board with us and they have a background in martial arts and I was talking to them about how in the martial arts the same idea you know the parents bring their kids to the martial arts with an understanding of what's going to happen there and they have an understanding yeah. that not only is the child going to learn self-defense but they believe the child's going to learn discipline and goal setting and some of these character issues too so they have this idea when they come come to martial arts that they're Gonna, this is what they're going to get. And, and the martial arts instructor can rely on that. It doesn't have to necessarily have a, an open dialogue with the parents. On the other hand, with strength, I mean, just like you said, they bring it, not really understanding what's going on. So they bring it to, to your gyms and they think of it as an activity. Well, this is something my kid's going to do for a while and then we're going to bring them out and do something else. And it's our yeah. job to talk about to the parent about what we're doing educate them on why it's important to their child long-term, to discuss with them the character issues that are involved in, in, in you know, long-term goal setting and learning resilience and things like that. And when we do that, 
we suddenly see retention of, of, in the program starting to rise. Because what we've done is really align ourselves more with something like gymnastics or martial arts, where they come in with this idea of this is a long-term project um, versus something like, well, this is something fun my kid does, like going to the, you know, the trampoline house or ice skating. Or it's, it's a 10-week activity versus, no, it's foundational for everything they do. Exactly. And it's progressive and it's, con- you know, we're going to have to repeat everything constantly, but it's mm-hmm. going to be progressive and so important. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, are we, yeah, that, that's another mistake that we made. Well, another result from the mistake that we made of not communicating enough to parents oh, was we would get emails from parents that would, oh, guys, thank you so much uh, for all you've done for our, you know, our, our kid. We really appreciate it. Appreciate it. And uh, Timmy's really enjoyed, you know, working out in your gym. However, this time we're going to try out another activity. <laughs> like, uh, yeah and yeah, yeah, yeah we know, we've, that, we've learned a lot through our mistakes yeah it's hard to hear that term activity because it we don't want it to sound simplistic because activities can be fantastic right yeah but but often when it's used in this context it it speaks of something that holds little importance right yeah and so since we need them to understand, no, this is super important. This is foundational. When they say activity, it kind of, <laughs> it kind of triggers oh, us, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it makes you cringe a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly not what you want your business to have, be about, really. You have actual systems for your parental communication with your, for your coaches and, and how you do that, correct? Yeah, we, we've we've developed them over time, and we, we've kind of done we've developed a communication strategy for the whole business, whether it's adult or, or whether it's our youth program. So yeah, we, we very much uh, use the procedures that we we have within Brandex, and we're getting better and better at it. It's basically just dividing up uh, our communication into what well, I don't know if you could say different levels, but kind of different parts of your of the business that you want to communicate. First of all, we want to show we want to show parents that the kids are having, you know, a lot of fun, that they're enjoying their time in the gym and that they feel and that they feel safe within gym. We we've spent a lot of time within our organization developing what we call external goals. And what we mean about that is that we've put a lot of time, you know, all our, our whole kids team has put together our external goals, which kind of is more about all the soft goals. For example, what, what do we want our, uh, the kids to feel like when they come into the gym? You know, do they feel safe? Do they feel that they've been seen, acknowledged? Uh, what do we want parents to you know, feel when they bring their kids into the gym? What, we even have a goal. What do we want the kids to talk about at the dinner table when they get back home after training, for example? So we put all this down on paper. And then what we'll do is we'll have this as a discussion with uh, during our staff meetings and just basically talk about, okay, what have, our, what have we done? What can we do to thrive towards uh, our external goals? And then we'll get like a talk going among the kids. Well, I usually do this and someone will bring up a problem and someone else, yeah, well, I, yeah, I recognize that. When I have my class, I'll do this and that. And they'll 
suddenly be an interaction between coaches just talking about external goals and how that how we want our kids to experience uh, that their time within the gym during the classes and uh, and we've kind of put this into place in the communication also that we wanted this is what we want to show them in our show them, show parents that they're having fun and that they're safe right and then the next step is that we want to we want to educate the parents we want to teach them we want them to know exactly what we're doing we can try and invite them in uh, and be as active as possible and ask questions we kind of just also want to do the same thing within our community so we'll have facebook groups for uh, non-parents of kids that are working out within our gym we want to reach out to as a wide audience as possible to show you know our expertise within the area the third our third strategy is that or well, the third level is that we want to spend a lot of as much time as possible with individual uh, youth which is tricky since we have got over 300 kids right in our program so uh, so that's very very tricky uh, but we try and we we try and delegate that out as much as possible that is our largest challenge is, is to get as much individualized communication as possible individually one on one we found that uh, for the team group you had this really well worked out because your team classes were bigger the kids varied in size, but never really got bigger than 30 kids in one no. class, which we could handle as far as the communication. For the littles, there's a little less to say, usually, mm. <laughs> yeah. what you know, what, what's happening. And then the check-in, they're not going to tell you how they feel like a team. But you you were able to use your uh, Brand X warm-up in that circle format so that the coaches yeah all walk around and we just kind of start at different places in the wheel and check in with if you know each of us to take four or five kids and just how you doing did you what'd you eat today <laughs> everything going well at home those kinds of things if they weren't yeah. some of them were very forthcoming and some of them were not so some of them we had to as you know ask yeah of and some would offer but that was seemed to be a great time to to communicate directly yeah. Also, I agree. It, we would do it during. I agree. During weightlifting, so kids, you know, stepping up to the bar on a back squat, you could ask him, you know, an, just an innocuous question about what their life was like going on, and they and, you know, and they and they can answer. But what they're what they're getting is that one point in time. I think in in the day where you know, perhaps an adult is at you know actually asking them something about their life. They and, feel seen. Yeah. yeah. And and I know that that's kind of a fuzzy just touch point now. It's uh, something that you hear kind of colloquially and things like that. But it's so important, especially with those preteen teens. It's so important to be able to to give them that time. Like yeah, that they it doesn't take too much to coach. I think to find those times during the during the workout to kind of walk over to each individual kid in your class. Yeah something tell them something and let them know that you're that you're interested you're genuinely interested in life mm. i think it's stiff i think it's very important to i think it's very important if you have a youth program that you, you that you talk about these things uh the, the fuzzy parts are very important to talk about with the coaches it's very important to talk about that you know you uh, you can't really translate it to, to english but we don't talk 
to our kids. We talk with our kids. Um, what, 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 that doesn't really translate very well, but uh, but there's a bit. It's a bit of a difference between lecturing and then the, and having a conversation. Right? You need to have a conversation. Yeah. A, no. You know, a, a two way conversation. I I always wanted I always wanted to approach approach each child that I was working with with a question. So it was, you know, you know something as innocuous as. Uh, what did you have for breakfast today? It starts a conversation versus, you know, I hope you had your protein for today. What was, you know, mm. or a lecture. And so that's anyway, yeah. it's different. It's a different discussion. And I think it's really important. That's how you develop the relationship versus uh, a two-way relationship versus just, like you said, lecturing to them. Yeah. yeah. Developmentally appropriate to reach them where they are. Right? Exactly. And so talk, talking to them versus with them yes, changes so that dynamic, right? Mm. Good point. What happens over time is that they're the ones that actually approach you and ask you what you've had for breakfast. <laughs> that's, <laughs> yeah. that's very cool. And that especially, actually happens. That's very cool. Especially those teenagers. I remember a specific instance of one where she was just about to leave for college and, you know, leave the state. We weren't going to see her. Well, I haven't seen her since, yeah. actually. And, she was teasing us with that as she left. So what you eat? You have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what yeah. kind of <laughs> But that awareness was going to be there. It was settled in. So how about sports training? I know you've been very active in that, like you said. Yes, we have. Um, minutes or something. That's amazing. Yeah, on and off, depending on sport and season. So we started we started doing sports training very, very early, especially the, the main sport that we were doing strength and conditioning for was, was hockey, ice hockey. We have quite a few teams in our area. And that's also my background, of course. And, and uh, yeah, it grew pretty quick. However, we, we were kind of treating the sports and, our, our the, and the youth program is two different revenue streams. What we've kind of done the last few years, we've kind of integrated them together. I mean, we were working in a, in a similar way before Brandex. We, were, we, were, we, we called it sports-specific, but we weren't really specializing in sports because we were doing a lot of the basic training first, you know, the, the qualifying to, to eventually you know, being able to do any kind of sort of uh, uh, pretty much the base build boost process, but from an adult perspective. And we were putting that on the, on the uh, implementing that with our kids, which worked very well, apart from we weren't really taking, uh, we weren't re really taking a notice or considering the, the, the psychosocial part of, of uh, strength and conditioning coaching when it comes to kids. So we were getting really, really good results with our kids, uh, the sports kids, but they the retention wasn't really that large. We would get them maybe for one, two years, and then they would move on. And I think it was because we didn't really manage to create a good psychosocial environment for them. And that's when we kind of to rethink a little bit that, okay, our main focus here is maybe not to only get them qualified and, uh, and advanced within their sport. We also need to create an environment which is kind of, I kind of talk about when it comes to sport, the yin and yang. You need two opposites. Mm -hmm. uh, and a lot what, what you guys talk about also within the PYCC, 
is that you, you, you have the controlled play, you have the sports part where you have rules and everything, but you also need an environment where you don't have to compete with anyone. And it kind of became our, our mission as a, as a provider of strength and conditioning also to provide an atmosphere where they can go in and experiment and explore on their own conditions, really. And that's kind of what our strength conditioning program is, is about today. It's the yang to sports. The yin mm. is the sport and the yang is our strength and conditioning. And they kind of need each other to balance. That's a great, I love that yin and yang analogy because really one is not whole without the other. Just, it just doesn't. No, no, exactly, exactly. So yeah, we kind of changed our, we, we, we've been doing a, a, a strength and conditioning camp for hockey players every year. And we've changed that over the years. And yeah, we're, we're doing more. And of course, it's a, it's a, we would traditionally work through the different periodized uh, processes of strength and conditioning training. Uh, and we would get a lot of good results among our 15, 16, 17 year olds. But what would happen is that a lot of our younger, especially guys, they would, you know, suddenly, you know, put on right in the middle of, because we usually do like a, a deload couple of weeks in the middle of July, for example during the, the off season. And then they'll come back after two weeks, three weeks and c- continue with their strict conditioning programming. And we didn't really have the knowledge that they, you know, we didn't really take into consideration that they would maybe grow like 10 centimeters in three weeks or something. <laughs> so, so we, we, and we didn't really have the knowledge or competence about that within that area. Uh, this is, this is back before we, you know, got involved with Brandex. So we, we kind of redid the whole process. Uh, a little. Yeah, those, um, those growth spurts can be so <laughs> sudden. I mean, you're, yeah. you're ten centimeters, but but it's it, it seems that, that way sometimes. Like seriously, yeah. well, and it's traumatic. It's you know, dramatic. Kid, dramatic. You know, a kid yeah. such a great athlete coming in. Also, they they can't get through a door without banging into the doors. Nah. And, <laughs> literally, their feet are knocking something over. Yeah. Yeah. longer and you know everything's changed hold mechanics change yeah, everything changes yeah so, it does it really is it really um, does you know there's two there's two kind of two sides to this one is for the child you know they're they're really learning to exist in a new body it's like they've been you know like everything's yeah. growing and i'm having to relearn to do all of these things that i already have learned to do as a as a you know in this other body and as a coach yeah. You know, uh, used to tell and say this: that, you know, every child represents the opportunity to work with fifty new new clients because as they're growing through their through through their adulthood or their childhood, every time they 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 grow, it's like, well, now I've got a new I've got a new client because yeah. the brand new client I've got to have to learn how to different squat stage, again. different challenge, right? Yeah. Exactly. I would say that there's a yeah. And that come, but that 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 is more obvious today than it was for six years ago. I, I don't know what you guys think, but I think there's a. If I take a a, a hockey player as an example, uh, that we probably worked with maybe sixty when we opened up six seven years ago, a a U sixteen or U uh, or, or or a what we call a junior eighteen kid, they're in their sixteen seventeen year olds from fifteen up to seventeen. I don't know if I'm imagining imagining it, but I think there's a huge difference between a 16, 70 year old today than there was six years ago. 
something has happened when it comes to the competence in general if you look at a whole team today compared to six years ago i would have way more athletes that are that they cannot do general movements physical i'm like you know jumping on two you know on two feet and landing on two feet i would i would have the odd athlete here and there but now it's it's not uncommon to have almost a half a team that can't, you know, do basic stuff, basic movements. We startlingly saw that in 2012. It was just a point where the kids yeah. were different than previously and drastically different and not in a way that we wanted to see. And so a lot of what we've done in developing brand you know, what we do in brand X is look, see, observing that and saying, Oh my gosh, we have to as strength and conditioning coaches look at our starting points and, mm. and adjust them because kids are, kids are different now. And we have to yeah. you know, Something to bring yeah. Christopher back and talk yes, about it, because I think absolutely. The, the, <laughs> the whole structure of how we train children changed around you know, 2018, 2019 with yeah because of what we were seeing well we created a system to address it right at that time right and i think it'd be great to bring yeah. us back to yeah. talk about that because i think it's it's interesting to me not just interesting i i'm sorry to hear that it's not just the united states saying that yeah we kind of thought maybe it was a our society alone no no i think it's pretty general i'll, I'll give an example so this is what this is what we well as a when it comes to the experience of movement is way lower now than it was six years ago. If you look like a, if you look at a, a youth 16 kid uh, within a sport, uh, that's, that's what I've observed. And uh, so this is what we do with teams, for example, and it's pretty much the same thing as we do with the, the we've made the same mistakes there as we did with our, you know, the rest of our youth program. We were not very good at communicating with the parents. When it comes when it comes to our teams, I mean, we we were getting a lot of acknowledgement, and we were getting a lot of teams that getting in touch with us because we we were very active in social media and showing what we were doing. We were showing our our expertise, but we weren't really communicating our expertise, and not directly to parents. So we would get a lot of teams uh, contacting us and asking us, okay, yeah, we would like to get an offer. You know, what would it? Yeah, what would the price be for us to train? Yeah. With you guys for an uh, a off season during the summer or, or you know three months period or whatever, and we would you know give the, write an offer to the to them and, and the team leaders would take it to the parents and the ah oh, wow you know that that seems a little bit too expensive. Uh, I think it's cheap if we just go to the local gym and we can hire a PT, a personal trainer instead. And we 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 got into that situation quite often. So we kind we kind of got sick and tired of it, and after a while, we decided, you know what, we're not going to give you an offer until we get to meet every single parent, so they can at least, you know, make a decision on 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 the correct uh, premises, right? So what we do is, if we get in touch with a with a team or they get in touch with us, we will we will always offer a free lecture for parents and trainers, uh, and what what we basically teach them because it is basically a course, I would say. Is that we would show that what what is the difference between a, a sports specific strength conditioning program for an adult compared to a kid, and what the challenges are, 
and we would go through all the details and we would explain to them the whole situation of, you know, that the programming that uh, that we offer to a specific athlete at, at a specific, specific time is extremely fresh because we we now have no idea if that programming will work in a year because you know we don't or in a week later because we don't know what's going to happen with that athlete since the kid right compared to an adult and we'll also lecture a lot about you know the window opportunity what you talk a lot about within the in the pycc you know that it's now we've got the chance to build these formidable human beings and we and, and we're very clear that we you know that our strategy is that we would like to keep these teams with us for at least three years. It's going to take us three years at least to work with them, to get them to where they want to be. And we've become better and better at communicating that way with parents. And now we basically, we never lose a, a, a project, a team that's, project anymore. That's amazing. And I commend you for coming up with that strategy. I think we, we were working with as many teams as we could, but we definitely sort of had the coaches be the communicator. Oh, well, you, yeah. here's what you need you to tell the parents. Here's, and, and to not, not recognize that we had missed that, that really yeah. we needed to talk to them because the coaches, although even some of those coaches were members and had a real observationally saw what we were doing and understood to some extent, they couldn't articulate it or nah, explain it's its importance. And it's not their job. It's not their job. Yeah. That was our job. So, so I just love that you came up with that. I think that's amazing. I think, um, Christopher, we're probably getting near the end of our time for this first interview <laughs> because I think we have... <laughs> first, I just also want to say uh, to the audience, we recently were at the Coaches Congress in Stockholm, and we had the opportunity this year to have two of the only four Brandex labs in the world there as the team to present how Brandex works to the Coaches Congress attendees. And Christopher was there and was an amazing, amazing piece to that. And along with Sam of Fitter Futures in Brisbane, Australia. And that was so fun. We had such a great time. It was great fun. Yeah, it was. Good fun. It was great to just be able to be with Christopher and Sam yeah, for yeah. And, and just spend yeah. some time. That's yeah. not between other things and um, dinner. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, without having a, a time difference of, I don't know, like 15 hours between you for you and Sam and eight hours, yeah. It was yeah. difficult getting those uh, Zoom calls in order, right? Yeah. <laughs> one of us one of us at 11 at night, you guys during the afternoon and poor old Sam early, like four o'clock or five o'clock <laughs> in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> We've seen Sam drinking coffee a few times. Yeah. Yeah, I bet, I bet. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was great fun. It was really was. Yeah. Thank you. Christopher, you have, so not only did we do Coaches Congress and we spoke to people from all over um, Europe and as far away as Australia and the US, but you have become a local expert in youth training. And we were lucky enough to harangue you into becoming a brand X mentor for us because of your unique experience in your community and we really believe that that matters you know that that things are different we're, we're an international company and things are very different in different places and we can't pretend to speak to every different place I and mean, that would be sailing mm. right so 
you've become this local expert and as well as a lab and a mentor. And we love that idea. And we love that people come to you there and look to you. We, we were speaking to another organization recently and everybody knew who you were. Oh, really? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, was, I don't know if that's good or bad. We'll see. It was good. It was no, good. It was definitely oh, said, okay. oh, a very positive good. way. So <laughs> tell us about your experience with that. Well, the thing is, is that our business is, is, has been very successful. We, we, we grew very quickly. We're, we're doing very well. And one of the reasons why we're doing very well is that we've, from day one, we've made sure that we've surrounded us, ourselves with really good people, experts within their areas. We were very lucky. We, we've been very lucky to have a landlord in our facility who, who loves what we're doing and, and has, has kind of been a little bit of a mentor for us initially when we started up the business. We, Pear and I, my business partner, we, we both have a, a background. We've had other gyms. Pear has, a, has had a gym, a CrossFit gym since 2009, which he still owns today. Uh, so we have quite some really good relationships within, within the industry. Aleiko has been uh, a great help when we started off. And, and also we got involved very early on with, with Two Brain. So we've always had a lot of mentors around us that have helped us. Uh, and of course, uh, when we got in touch, well, first of all, it was actually, uh, it was Keegan that was came over for Coaches Congress. I think it was 2019. And that's kind of when we started to discuss for, for real uh, of becoming a, a, you know, educating our coaches and um, educating ourselves and, and, you know, and taking advantage of your, you guys and your knowledge, really getting all the help that you've received. And the, it's kind of become natural for us that we would, you know, we want to kind of pay back, pay back and do the same thing that you know a lot of our mentors have done for us. That's okay. kind of why both Per and myself have got in, involved in mentorship. That's fantastic. Um, yeah. Thank you. And thanks for coming on, Christopher. This has uh, been a great youth fitness podcast. We're looking forward to you coming back again and talking about. I like. I, I've got a ton of other options. So I'm not, I'm not even going to start to list them. Because I've got, I've, got, I've got stuff to talk with you about. No, thank you. It, it, it's been an honor. Uh, it, it really has been. So, yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you. And we'll have you back soon. Thanks again. Welcome to the Athlete Coach Network, a new connection-based training platform that breaks down regional barriers and connects coaches and athletes anytime, anywhere. You're an athlete and love to push yourself. Who's guiding you? As an athlete, you can filter and search our library to find the perfect coach or sign up for a membership to get video feedback and comments from our coaches all over the world. As a coach, you can set up your profile and advertise your credentials, set your own price for video reviews or direct messaging to ensure your rates reflects the value of your time. Welcome to the Athlete Coach Network, and welcome to the future of sports coaching. That was the Youth Fitness Podcast, topics on youth fitness with focus on doing what's best for kids. Brought to you by the Martin family, the developers of the Brand X Method and the Athlete Coach Network. We hope you guys enjoyed that episode and you listen for more.